are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I ask you guys to come today, whatever it took to get here, and you all came. I'm really thankful. And I said, you might want to bring friends, and, um, and many of you brought friends. It almost looks like Easter Sunday morning in here. I love having all of you here. So I want to begin today in a series called Transformed, Okay. So to begin, let me just show you a picture um, of a couple of guys. Uh, this is Roberto and Luis Hernandez. And on the right side of the screen is Roberto and Luis Hernandez. And so these guys appeared in a TV reality show called The Biggest Loser. And Roberto, uh, you know which one he is, right? I don't either. I have no idea. Just pick one. He won the entire show by losing 160 pounds and he took home $250,000. His brother, Lewis, which is the other guy, um, he won $100,000. So talk about transformation. That is incredible transformation. If somebody came up to you and said, how would you define transformed? What would you say? So I go to Webster, and Webster says, here's how you define transformed. Transformed is a drastic change in appearance, form, structure, or character. Is there anybody in the room that said, I could use a drastic change in appearance, form, structure, or character? One honest soul in the whole house this morning. You know, I don't know everybody here, and I don't know your story. But as I move toward Sunday this week, I begin to ask myself, so who is going to be in front of me on Sunday morning who comes to church saying, what I really want in my life is transformation. I really want to change. And so I'm going to be as transparent as I can be with you in this moment and just look you in the eye and say to you, if there's one person in this room that is really hoping to change and experience transformation, it's me. There are so many areas in my life where that I desperately need God to change me. And I'm believing God for transformation. Because you see, when you think about Jesus calling people to follow Him, it was never like this. It was never about Jesus saying, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to invite me into your heart. I want you to go to church as much as you can. I want you to try to be a pretty good person. And then hopefully when you die, you go to heaven. That was never in the heart of Jesus when he said to people, follow me. In fact, when Jesus talked to a guy whose name was Nicodemus, and he talked to him about being part of the kingdom of God, he said it with this language, Nicodemus, it's like being born again. It's like this whole new life becomes yours. I'm talking about a radical transformation. So one morning, after I preached, a lady walked up to me and she handed me this book. She said, Pastor, I love the book so much, I wanted you to have it. And so I opened the book when I finally got time to sit down with it. And the first page where there's any writing is right here and there's only three lines. And here's what they say, the top line, God loves you just the way you are. Regardless of what form you are in this morning, God loves you. 
Your form does not determine whether or not God loves you. There is not a person in the room to whom God does not say, I'm nuts about you. God loves you. The second line says, but He refuses to leave you the way you are. Now, I kind of like that because that, that speaks hope to me. I'm not stuck. I'm not always going to be like I am. There's parts about me that need to change. And it's saying that God loves me so much that He's not going to leave me the way that I am. And then the third line says, He wants you to be, and there's three dots, and there's no more words on the page. And when you turn the page, there are three words. He wants you to be just like Jesus. So God loves you, just like you are. Your form does not determine whether or not God loves you. fact is this morning, God loves you just the way you are. But He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Because there are things in all of our lives that need to change. And God wants you to become just like Jesus. Now, if I could become like anybody who has ever lived in the history of the world, if I could really change and become like anybody who has ever lived in the history of the world, there is nobody that I would rather become like than Jesus. I mean, set your goal high, right? If nobody's laughing at your goal or making fun of your vision, your goal is not high enough. So if I could become like anybody who has ever lived in the history of the world, I want to become like Jesus. And it's in that moment when we have that thought that the enemy comes and he poses a question. And the question is, can you and I really change? Can you and I really experience radical transformation? Can you and I really one day be like Jesus? So we got to answer the question. Would you grab a Bible and open it with me to the book of Romans, okay? Chapter 12, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. Now, Romans is in the New Testament. And it's right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. And we'll go over to chapter 12. And let me start with verse 1, okay? So here's what the Apostle Paul, who is writing to the Christians in Rome, this is what he says to them. You ready? He says, therefore. Now, uh, always have some fun with this and say, when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you should always stop right there and ask yourself, what is that therefore, Okay. It means he's always looking back at something, all right? So what he's looking back to is the last 11 chapters. And in the last 11 chapters, he has been heavily theological, talking about the grace and mercy of God. Now look at me. This is the good thing about Paul. He doesn't leave you kind of hanging in the theology. He always takes you to how do you apply this to your everyday practical life. And that's what he's saying with the word therefore. Now that we've talked about God's mercy and God's grace... Now, what do you do with it? And this is what he says you do with it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, sisters, in view of God's mercy, when you think about all of God's grace and mercy, here's what I think you should do. You should offer your body. Eugene Peterson says you're eating, drinking, sleeping, walking around, going to work, everyday body. Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now he says, in contrast to that, 
this is what you should not do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, this is what you should do. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is God's Word for us today, okay? I had a conversation with a guy not too long ago. And he says to me, Pastor, I need you to pray with me for my son. I'm worried about him. I said, okay, I can pray with you for your son. You mind talking to me about what's going on in your son's life? And he says, yeah, he's gotten in with the wrong crowd. I said, okay, you want to talk more about that? And so he did. He said, you know what? When he was living at home, this is the way he lived. This is the way he acted. This is the way he behaved. But when he moved away from home, everything kind of changed for him. And he kept saying, I think he just got in with the wrong crowd. And I listened to him talk for a while longer, and in a minute he said it again. You know what I think happened to my kid? I think he just got in with the wrong crowd. You know what he's really saying? My son, when he was living at home, was behaving and living and acting this way. But when he got away from home, he met some other people. And when he started hanging around the other people, he began to conform to their pattern of living. He just began to live like they were living. And he began to let them dictate how he would live and act and think. And he kind of became forced into their mold. And he began to live like them. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's not very hard to do. In fact, it's kind of easy to do. You don't have to think about how to conform to somebody else's pattern. All you have to do is just kind of follow them. It's easy. Now, I'm going to say a sentence. And you must pay attention because afterwards there will be a quiz. Are you ready? Here's the sentence. In Paul's mind, world history was divided into two categories. This present age and the age to come. You ready for the quiz? Okay, here we go. In Paul's mind, world history was divided into two categories. The first category was, and the second category was, most of you did really good on that quiz, okay? And so here's how he saw this present age. He said, this present age is what I would call the world in rebellion against God, okay? It's a world that says, we're really not concerned about what God wants of our lives. Paul said, this present age is this world of sin. But he said, this age to come is this time frame when God is going to introduce all of this great love to the world and do new things in the world, and it has already begun in Jesus, and we see it realized in His resurrection, and you can be a part of that world now. Now listen to this. Here's what he says, okay? Don't let yourself be conformed to the present age. What he's really saying is you cannot let yourself just kind of become like your culture, because Christians often run against the stream of the culture. So, don't let culture squeeze you into its mold. Don't let culture dictate how you're going to live and act and think and behave. 
this is where we kind of get honest with each other, isn't it? And you know and I know that none of us are untouched by our culture. And you know and I know that many times we are tempted to live according to the form of culture. And as we look each other in the eyes this morning, we also know that sometimes we find ourselves in situations where our lives are not what they, we hoped rather they would be. Because we have given in. And we have not followed the way of Jesus like we hoped we would have. So if that's not what we're supposed to do, what are we supposed to do? Um, I was at home the other night, and I was tired, and I didn't want to do anything. And, and I had this deal, my wife kind of makes fun of me, but if I sit down, especially in the recliner, and I turn on the television, I got about 10 good minutes, and I'm out. You know, I can just go right to sleep. And she says, I don't even know why you turn it on. Um, so the other night I'm home and I turn on the television and I'm really tired. And I'm thinking I'll probably doze off in a minute. But there wasn't a game to watch. And there was nothing good on the golf channel to watch. And I tried the news, but I could not stomach politics for another night. Can I get a witness in the house? Most active you've been the entire service right there. That was it. Best response I've had so far. And so I start flipping around, kind of saying, entertain me, you know, something. And I just, I just can't find anything that's worth watching. And honestly, I just kind of got a little frustrated and a little sickened at what was on. And I just turned it off. And I reach over on the table beside me and I grab a book by a Christian author that is calling me to live like Jesus. which is what all Christian books should do, because what is it to be a Christian except to follow Jesus and live like Him? And about five or ten minutes into the book, I have this kind of aha moment, and I kind of drop the book down in my lap, and I think, wow, what a different way to think. Because when I was watching television, I was challenged to think one way. And when I pick up the book, I'm challenged to think another way. And all of a sudden, I realized what had happened in those 10 minutes. There was this renewing of my mind. And I began to think in a whole other way. And I was exposed to truth all of a sudden. And it changed everything about me in that moment. What Paul understands is that there is a direct correlation between what you think about and the way that you think and what you believe, and the way that you live out your daily life. Did you hear me? What Paul knows is that there is a direct correlation between what you think about and how you think and what you believe and how you actually live out your daily life. And so he understands that for transformation to occur, you've got to change the way that you think. At some point, you've got to turn off the television and pick up a book. I wasn't expecting a lot of amen on that one, but whatever. Okay. So he says a second thing. He talks about uh, our bodies. And he says, 
I don't want you to be conformed, but I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I'm going to say a word, and it's a Greek word. And after I say the word, you can, you can say it, okay? You all set? Here we go. Metamorpho. No idea what you're saying. You're speaking Greek. Actually, I do know what you're saying. Metamorpho sounds like another English word that we use. What is it? Metamorphosis. To transition, to change. So he says, don't just become like your culture. Don't take on that form. Take on another form. And the form that he wants you to take on is to become like Jesus. You want to become like him. So instead of just kind of living your life, kind of stumbling along, just kind of becoming like your culture, he says, no, I want you to be transformed. I want you to take on another form and intentionally take on the form of Jesus and begin to live your life as Jesus would live his life. But that happens as you renew your mind. And that's crucial. Okay? So, he says, number two, so take your your body, your everyday, eating, sleeping, drinking, getting up, going to work, body, take your body and, and offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, that doesn't get your attention all that much. But in their world, it got their attention. And here's why. When he's writing to the Christians in Rome, Greek people, Greek understanding, Greek philosophy, Greek mindset, here's what the Greeks believed about the body. You ready? Do you know? Okay, here's what they believed. They believed that your body is a house of poison. Cannot be tamed. It is something to be despised and ashamed of. And Paul says... You've got to change the way you think about your body. Because in Paul's mind, your body belonged to God just as much as your soul belonged to God. And he said, why don't you take your body, what you do with your body every day of your life, getting it out of bed and putting it in the shower and drying it off and letting it carry you to work and spending your day, why don't you take all that you do with your body, all of your life's work, your menial tasks, the people you meet, everything else, and why don't you gather all of that up and just live it as an act of worship to God and offer it to Him. And so when you do that, it's not about saying, today is Sunday, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to worship God at the church. No, on Monday you say, I'm getting it up and I'm going to give my whole day to God in worship. I'm giving Him everything I have. I'm offering Him my body. Okay, so here's what that sometimes looks like. Once in a while, somebody will say to me, Pastor, I went to this Christian conference. It was awesome. Or I went to this uh, camp this church camp, it was, it was great. Or I went to this retreat, it was really good. Well, tell me what you did when you were there. Well, so we had services in the morning and then we had services in the evening. And we had lots of time that they gave us to have, you know, like one-on-one time with God, prayer, Bible study, that kind of thing. We did this uh, missions kind of thing. We did some serving of people at one point. We did this offering for a ministry. Lots of times we got in groups together and we spent time like that. So how was it for you? Pastor, it was awesome. Let me tell you something. It changed me. I mean, I was transformed. I'm not surprised. 
because you offered your bodies to God. So think with me for a little bit, okay? We sometimes think about practices. So what if? And this is why I ask you to be here today. What if you and me? What if we said, you know what we're going to do together? For 40 days, we're going to get on this journey together. And on this 40-day journey, we're just going to offer ourselves to God. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to involve practices in our lives for 40 days where that we just say, God, here we are. We're yours. And we're praying that you will change us. So when you came in the door this morning, you received a worship folder that looks like this. Do you mind taking it out for a minute and holding it in your hand? Can you get that? Did you get one when you came in? And if you go to the back page, okay, go to the back page, you will see on the left column the word practices. And we've listed six practices, and they're in line with our values. See the values and the little blue lines? Being with God, being with one another, being with others, living generously. That's what we value here, okay? And so the practices fit the values. And the first one is this. What if, what if this? Now just, you might have to look back at me for a minute because I don't think I can handle this, all right? Have issues. So what if, what if for 40 days, for 40 days... You said, I'm going to adopt some of these practices. And I'm just going to offer myself to God. What if we did it together, on a journey together? So what if the first one, you can look back now, I'm okay, I'm getting over it. You look back and it says, worship together. Some of you are saying, hey Rick, if I came to church for six weeks in a row, that would be like monumental. I've never gone to church for six weeks in a row in my life. So what if you did that? What if you said, I'm adopting the first practice. I'm not going to miss a Sunday for six weeks. Because I believe coming together is important. Being in God's presence is important. And I believe it's part of transformation. The next one, one one-on-one time with God. People talk to me all the time who say, Rick, I have never in my life really gotten this down. I've never really in my life spent time every day with God's Word in front of me and in prayer. But what if for 40 days you did? What if you did a 40-day journey with me? I'm going to do it, okay? And every morning or afternoon or evening or whenever it's good for you, you found yourself with the Word of God in front of you and you spent some time in prayer. I'm not putting times on it or anything like that. Whatever's good for you. Use whatever resource works for you. If you need a resource, we've provided that in your worship folder. It says daily devotionals right here. I don't ever look at this, I'll be honest with you, because I've signed up and I get it on my phone. Every morning when I wake up, there's an email, it's from the church and it has the daily devotional. And I use it every day of my life. What if, what if you said, I'm going to make group life part of my 40-day journey? Oh, now he's wanting me to get in a group and sit around and talk to some people. Hey, be careful with that because you can get in a group with weird people, I know, okay? Like, I'm in a group right now, and three of the guys in my group are pretty weird. And when the four of us get together, I'm a little uncomfortable. <laughs> you can get with weird people. You've got to be careful. But what if you got in a group? That's not really my thing. But what if somebody needs you in a group to invest in them, to listen to them, to pray for them? to walk with them, to support them, to encourage them on their 40-day journey. 
And so we've created three paths that are really easy for you to get into a group. One would be do it yourself. Invite a few people to get in a group with you. We can do it at one of our houses. We'll provide you with study questions every week starting next Sunday. All you got to do is take your worship folder home and host a group. You don't have to be a Bible scholar or a theologian. All you have to do is be a host. I'm just going to read these questions. We'll answer them. We'll pray for each other. We'll talk a little bit. It'll be about Rick's sermon on Sunday. If you say, I'm not really comfortable doing that, then just show up here on Sunday night in room 150. There'll be lots of round tables with a host at each table. Just go sit at one of those tables. That's all you got to do. It's all done for you. The third option is a little more distinctive. We offer electives in the fall, and there are some really good ones. And you could get in one of those electives, and they're all done in a small group format. So the other morning, I'm walking out down this aisle, and a guy's waiting for me. And he reaches out, and he shakes my hand, and he says, Pastor, thanks for the sermon. I needed it. I'm going through a divorce. And I said, you have two minutes to meet Don Anderson. Don Anderson is the guy over here. I have a friend who calls him Shakes because of what he does on Sunday morning, okay? Bongo and Shakes, right? And so Shakes, I said, you got to meet Shakes, Don Anderson, all right? And I take Don over to meet him, and it was awesome. Don puts his arms around the guy, and the guy's coming to divorce care, one of our electives. You may say, our lives are financially out of whack. Let me tell you what. There are people here who is, are as passionate about helping you get your finances in order as Don and Paula are about walking with you through divorce. And you could choose one of those electives. You kill two birds with one stone. I, I said that one of our previous pastors, Dr. Mel McCullough, not long ago, so Doc, do you know that guy really well? And he goes, he's in my small group. Doc comes to Tuesday morning Bible study, the community Bible study in the atrium with about 160 people. And Jeannie McCullough teaches it. And then they sit around tables. And Dr. McCullough is like, this is a close friend. We have become close to each other. My wife kept talking about some lady. I said, Annette, how do you know her? And she said, she's in my small group on Wednesday night. I go to a ladies Bible study. All of these are here in this little pamphlet that I'll get my hands on called electives. You can pick it up at any of our entrances, or you can go online, bethanynaz.org, and there are so many to choose from. That's another opportunity for you to get in a group. The next practice, serving. Hey, where do you serve, really? I mean, wh- where do you just go volunteer? What about giving? What about sharing your faith, this love that Jesus has poured out in your life? And so here's the deal. I I think you're getting me straight. I'm asking you over the next 40 days to choose one, two, three, four, five, or six of these practices. And for some of you, you're going to start the practices. And for some of you, you're going to restart the practices. And for some of you, you're going to say, I'm already doing this one, but I'm going to improve on it, okay? And what would God do in your life as you presented yourself in front of Him? over a 40-day period saying, God, I'm showing up and I want you to change me. Now, you got to hear me really closely. In light of everything I've said, this is really important. I was sitting in my house one night and it was late. Guess what I was doing? Watching television. And this commercial comes on. It's for P90X. Seen that commercial? You know what the X stands for? 
extreme. You can tell I spent the $149.95, can't you? I bought the DVD series. Eight-pack. I'm sitting there watching this commercial, and man, I mean, I'm seeing real transformation. It was amazing to me. These people, I mean, they are being changed like crazy. It's the before and after pictures. And I'm sitting there thinking, I want to look like that guy, Ned. While I'm sitting on my couch eating my ice cream with chocolate syrup and nuts on it, you know? I want to look like that guy. So I bought it. Guess what? I did it for 90 days. I ate the way they said you should eat. I did the exercises to the best of my ability, as good as I could do them. And my body changed. Come on, you didn't think I was born looking like this, did you? (laughs) You're saying, well, what happened? Well, after 90 days, I quit and my body changed back, okay? So this is what I wanted to say to you. Transformation of a person's heart is not as simple as an eight-pack DVD that if you do these things, this is the result. It's not like that. Only God can change the heart of a person. I can't change my own heart. Believe me, I've tried. I can't do it. You can't do it. Only God can change your heart. And so you say, Rick, what do I do? Do I just, do I just find a seat and sit in it and wait for God to transform me? Logically, it seems to make sense if you can't change your own heart, but actually it's not the right answer. The answer is no, that's not what you do. Dallas Weird, Willard, a man who talks a lot about disciplines and practices, says what happens when we participate in these practices like these six that I'm challenging you to take on over these next 40 days is that we place ourselves before God so He can change us. See? It's not about behavior modification. And if I can change my behavior for 40 days and I can do it good enough, then God will give me a thumbs up at the end and I get transformed. It's not the way it works. It's not about you trying harder. Christianity is not about trying harder. It's about what God does in you. About the only thing that we can do (laughs) is show up. And we have to have grace in order just to do that. But if God will give me the grace for 40 days to show up here on Sunday morning, will you change me? If you will give me the grace in the morning to roll out of my bed, and I, and I got this one guy who I just heard say a couple of weeks ago, I need this so bad in my life that I get out of bed in such a way and it's possible that my knees hit the floor first and I don't do anything until I've prayed. You might ought to try it. If for 40 days I get up in the morning and I just say, God, I'm going to spend some time reading your word and I'm going to talk to you from my heart, would you change me? If I'm going to get in this other group and I'm just going to sit around and I'm going to pray for these people and let them pray for me and talk about our journey with Christ together, will you change me? If I give myself to service, if I will live generously, if I'll share my faith, will you change me? That's really all we got. Because the changing of a person's heart is not something they can do for themselves. It's the work of God. 
Okay, so my dad got a heart attack, had a heart attack a few weeks ago, and we jumped in a car and tore out of here to go be with mom and dad. My dad had brain surgery a few years ago. He's 82, suffers from some severe dementia and other health problems, and they can't really help his heart. But they got him home, and that's where my dad is the happiest when he's just with my mother. They've been together for almost 60 years. And if my dad and my mom are together, my dad is in the zone. And so we will go to the hospital to see him. And I say to my mom, you, you ought to go home tonight. Annette and I'll stay. We'll take great care of dad. We'll be here to take care of everybody. You go home and get rest. You've been in the hospital for a week. You need to get out of the room, out of the building. And so as we move through the day, my mom says to me, I don't want to go home. I want to stay here. I said, okay. But would you at least sleep in the bed? The nurse said you could. Nobody's in the room with us. You sleep in the bed. Annette and I'll step with Dad. So it comes time to go to bed. We cover up Mom. We cover up Dad. And we say, Pop, we're going to sleep now. Okay. So we get him all covered up. And my dad's laying there. And I guess he's confused. Thinks he's home. Thinks my mom is maybe down the hall. And he says to my mom, her nickname, Cecil. Cecil? My mom says, yeah. He says, can I come in there and get in that bed with you? Well, number one, you're in there. She says, no, it's a small bed. There's not room for both of us. Okay. And then after a series of other questions, my mom finally says, hey, Dad. He says, yeah. She says, I'm right here. You're okay. He said, you're right here? She said, yep, I'm right here. You're okay. He said, okay. They got the, 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 the together thing down really well. They've been doing it for almost 60 years. And right now, one of them is weak. And so you know what they do? They rely on the strength of the team. When Paul writes to the Romans, he's not writing to one person. Newsflash. He's writing to a community of faith. And he never intended that you do this by yourself. You do it in the context of community, and real transformation happens in the context of community. Dream with me. What can we do together? So if you take this home with you today and you really pray about it and you look it over and you look at the practices and you say, okay, which ones am I going to adopt or which ones am I going to improve on? And you find the support of other believers and we really give ourselves to this knowing that we can't change our own hearts. Only God can change us. If we gather together, what will God do with us in 40 days? Will you go with me? That's what I'm asking you right now. Will you take 40 days with me? Will you join me on this journey? The last verse is awesome. Just awesome. When you live this life of transformation, you will be able to please God. Dallas Willard says... The central message of the church should be you can be part of the kingdom of God right here, right now.
In fact, here's the way he says it. Look at his words, okay? We'll put them on the screen. Dallas Willard's words. It's not how to get to heaven when you die, but how do you get to heaven before you die? And wherever the will of God is being done, that's a little bit of heaven on earth. So I'm going to ask those who are going to serve us to come at this time, and I'm going to ask all of you to stand with me, okay? We're going to receive the Eucharist together. And in our church, we practice open communion. What I mean by that is that you don't have to be a member of our church to receive the elements this morning. You're welcome to do it. The the only challenge that I would give you this morning would be this that you are sincere in seeking Jesus as you go about this. And if for whatever reason you're not comfortable receiving the elements, please don't feel any pressure to do so. Nobody is looking or counting or wondering. You do what is comfortable for you in your journey today with God, okay? But everybody is welcome. And so when you receive them, would you hold them in your hand? There will be two cups stacked together. You get them both and one is a piece of bread, the other is juice. And after everybody has been served, then we will eat and drink together. So let's be prayerful and reflective. And let's think about what God is calling us to over these next 40 days as we celebrate His presence together.
Jesus was with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Take it and eat it, all of you. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that is shed for you, my blood of the new covenant. Drink it and be thankful. And so even in this moment, as we eat and drink, we receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now hear the benediction. To receive this, now go in peace out into the world. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Be blessed. Have a great day. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.